the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor, and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. I'm your one and only Dr. Bill, and your only Dr. Bill radio MD, so don't be fooled by any imitations. I'm the real genuine article, and I'm here this morning for you. What a great day. I got up early, had to button down the hatches. Uh, we're going on a little, a little short trip, and... Looking forward to getting away, but I'm going to continue to do the show, so don't worry. I'm not going to desert you guys. Well, we've had one week of the canonization of John McCain, Senator McCain, who passed away the past week, and oh my gosh, I thought it would never end. And I was talking with some of the guys in the lunchroom. The Hindus, they don't really fully understand a lot of them the way a lot of people who don't grow up in our style of democracy and India has a parliamentary style of democracy. They don't fully understand the separation between the three branches of our government. They think that the Supreme court can step in and put a stop to the Mueller investigation. And they think that the president can just go down to the Capitol building whenever he wants. I mean, he can do it as a private citizen, but Formally, he needs an invitation from Congress for that. And they were wondering why he wasn't attending McCain's funeral. And I said, well, he may not have been invited. And now the senators are all saying and wagging their tongues that they just don't understand why the president didn't show up for McCain's funeral service. I guess the vice president went in his stead uh, and so there's a, a lot of little nuances to our democracy that are that are difficult for people to understand who have not grown up in this style of democracy. Parliamentary democracies are basically one branch of government that's legislative. And so everything comes out of the legislature, the parliament. The parliament appoints the judges, can recall the judges. The chief executive officer is the uh, predominant party's head man, so he's not actually elected by the people. He's elected by the party members, much like the Speaker of the House or the President of the Senate is elected by the members of the, of the, of the two bodies. So it's a little bit different, and so I had to explain to them that the President is in charge of the Department of Justice and the FBI and all of the various cabinet departments, as well as the White House, the military, 
and so on and so forth. The military is funded by Congress, but the president is a commanding officer of the military. So it's a, it's a little bit confusing for people who have not grown up in this and don't understand it and uh, are a little bit confused by it. And when I explained it to them, then they said, oh, yeah, that starts to make sense. The Supreme Court cannot step in and put a stop to, to the Mueller, 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 whatever that guy's name is, investigation. However, if there is an action brought before the court and it works its way up through the federal appellate court and up to the Supreme Court on a matter of constitutionality or of rules of court of the federal court, then the Supreme Court can step in and add their two cents worth. So let's say that the information that was obtained from the Steele uh, dossier was obtained with a FISA warrant that was not uh, not uh, kosher, that it was there was not full disclosure to the FISA judge as to where the dossier came from, the information came from. In other words, they created the dossier, then they sent it out to the press to be published, and the press said there's something going on and referred it back to the dossier. Then you've got a circle there that's been created by a few people in the Department of Justice and uh, in the intelligence community in order to drum up an investigation into, into Trump and his campaign because they didn't want Trump. So if the FISA court judge finds out and he says, well, wait a minute, this is not right, and he t- says to the lawyers who are representing the various uh, defendants in this situation, and they go to the appellate court judge and say, Your Honor, we want the whole thing thrown out. We want uh, the conviction of Papadopoulos thrown out because it was based on the fruit of a poisonous tree. That is, that the FISA warrant that was obtained to start this whole investigation was bogus and should have never been issued. The warrant should have never been given to the Federal uh, Bureau of Investigation. And so the appellate court judge says, no, I'm going to let it stand, but you can appeal it up to the Supreme Court, and it goes to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court says, this is the fruit of a poisonous tree, you can't do this, you can't obtain a FISA warrant based on uh, trumped-up information, and so everything gets thrown out. That's where the Supreme Court comes in. That's the hard thing for people who do not grow up in our democracy, hard for them to understand how the three separate branches of government work. The senators are not welcome to just walk into the White House unless they're there as private citizens. They have to be invited for official business, and the same with the president when he goes to the Capitol building. If he's going there as a private citizen, or he just wants to give some family a tour, uh, he can get an okay, a pass, just like you and I can. Of course, he, he gets a little special pass. <laughs> we don't get the same level of, uh, shall I say, we're, we're not accommodated as well as the president and his party would be. Nevertheless, apparently at the last minute, the senators probably invited the president and He demurred at that point since it had already been set up for the vice president to come and represent the executive branch. And it's not every day that the legislative branch has the president uh, come 
for a, a, a major function like a death or a wedding or a canonization of uh, of uh, St. John McCain. And by the way, I, I got curious about canonization. It, it always fascinated me how this whole sainthood thing started. Now, this started with the Catholics, and a lot of Christian sects have continued on with it and recognized some of the saints, although I think it's starting to kind of go out of vogue. You know, it was real big back in the Middle Ages and in the Renaissance when the church was trying to battle uh, the encroachment of Islam into Europe. And so they had to puff up their chest and get more saints. And a lot of the saints have since been debunked. And maybe John McCain will be debunked at some point. I don't know. But the candidate has to die, which John did. And then the bishop of the diocese, which would be uh, the minority speaker or the minority uh, person in the Senate, uh, would have to start the investigation into sainthood, which he did. And then you need a promoter group, so you need other bishops from the diocese, which would be the moderate senators and the democratic senators who want to make a saint out of him. And then witnesses are called. And so then we have all the testimonials that we had of what a great guy John McCain was and all the good that he did in the world and his exemplar military career and what a, what a military hero he is or was. And then there's a congregation for the cause of sainthood and then this is passed on uh, to the theologians, and then they vote on it, and then this works its way up to Rome, and eventually it gets to the Pope. Now, the Senate doesn't really have a Pope. I guess you could call uh, uh, Mitch McConnell the Pope, and he kind of semi has weighed in and said, well, he'll form a committee to see if it warrants naming a, an office building after John McCain. Now, you have to be something really special to get an office building named after you, a, a, a congressional office building. So, you know, the the office buildings are named for very long-serving uh, and influential senators and congressmen uh, like Everett Dirksen and... Uh, uh, so on and so forth, and and so the office buildings are named by the, the congressional office buildings are named by the Congress. They're the ones who vote on it. The Senate votes on its buildings. The House votes on its buildings, and they have buildings named after uh, people that have served either in the House or the Senate. That's the way that it works. But somebody in the Senate, since McCain is a senator, has to initiate this and the majority of the Senate has to agree to this. So you get all the cardinals come together then, and they all decide whether or not John McCain is a senatorial saint and whether or not he needs to be canonized. Well, does he? Well, to hear the liberal Republicans and the Democrats tell it, yes, he does, because he has a good bloodline. He was the son and grandson of two four-star admirals, both his father and his grandfather were four-star admirals in the United States Navy. And he grew up as a military brat. He enlisted in the, uh, got into the Naval Academy, and then after that he enlisted in the, in the Navy. And he wanted to be a naval aviator. 
apparently early on he was a little bit reckless and had some problems with a couple of planes but got better over the years and finally was given a combat assignment on the USS Forrestal flying a four Skyhawks and uh, this was in 1967 when he was 30 years old flying uh, uh, over North Vietnam flying fighter bomber missions and he was shot down over North Vietnam and he was captured and uh, he actually landed in a, in a lake he was pulled out by some of the local North Vietnamese who proceeded to stomp him and they crushed his shoulders with rifle butts they weren't too happy about being bombed by the, the Americans and John was obviously one of the people who was bombing them and so he spent five years in captivity he was tortured uh, he almost died uh, and he was sick as a dog. He had broken arms and legs. And when the North Vietnamese found out that his father was a four-star general, and I believe his father at one point was the acting commander-in-chief of the whole Vietnamese operation. I think that was before Westmoreland took it over. Somebody can correct me on my history if they want to. Uh, when they found out, they offered to, uh, as a humanitarian gesture, released John McCain our senator, but uh, the Uniform Code of, of Conduct, of military conduct, says he can't do that. You cannot agree to be released, nor can the family, say an admiral or a president or a senator, they cannot agree to have their child released from a prisoner of war camp. Uh, otherwise, it would be um, it, it would be a court-martial offense. I mean, you, you cannot treat the son or the daughter of a high-ranking officer or a high-ranking politician any differently than any other soldier who is uh, in a POW camp. That's the way we work. That's the way our democracy is. Uh, it's that we're all even by law, and that doesn't mean that everybody is treated equally under the law, but that's the ideal that we that we strive for and that we shoot for. And so he could not be released. So he did his five years, and then he was released with a bunch of other prisoners. He had dysentery. He was tortured. Um, he made an anti-U.S. propaganda confession and uh, felt bad about that. And, of course, the commanding officer in the POW camp told all his men, you know, you're going to break. Everybody breaks when they're tortured this much, when you're tortured to the point where you don't know whether it's day or night, when you've been kept awake for uh, 48 to 72 hours and you've been beaten black and blue and you have broken limbs and you have dysentery, you're going to tell people whatever they want to hear. I mean, you, you don't even know what you're telling them, but you're going to tell them and you're going to agree to it. And of course the airmen uh, blinked and, in uh, Morris Code that they were being tortured when they were brought on TV and filmed by the North Vietnamese for uh, display around the world to say that they were being, being treated well. One of the airmen blinked as he was reading his statement uh, that he was being tortured. So we knew that they were being tortured. We knew that privately, but then we went public with it. And, uh, so he got out, and he came back, and he was pretty sick, and he was in rehab for months. And then he became 
the commanding officer of the training squadron at the Naval Air Force Base in Pensacola, Florida. And they got a, they got uh, a, a commendation for their improvement under him. And his first wife had had a car accident, by the way. And so she was uh, injured, too. And here's John McCain. They're both extremely injured. The marriage apparently fell apart. Um, and McCain met Cindy Lou Hensley. I love that name, Cindy Lou. I think there's a, a, a Cindy Lou Who. I think there's a character in one of Dr. Seuss's books, Cindy Lou Who in The Grinch. So Cindy Lou, she was a teacher from Phoenix, and they fell in love and started dating. By the way, McCain had one child and had adopted two children in his first marriage, and then I think he had a couple of more kids in his second marriage. So he's been a father, or he was, and he's raised kids, and his kids are grown now. And he had Senator William Cohn and Gary Hart as his uh, as his attendants and his groomsmen at his his wedding to Cindy Lou. And so in 81, he left the Navy and went into politics, and he became a congressman, and then uh, he became a senator. Let's see what year he got into the Senate. Uh, he was elected, I think, in 82 to the House of Representatives. He won a highly contested primary election, and in Washington, his connections and money that his wife lent to his campaign, she apparently came from a well-to-do family, and he easily won re-election in his district. And then in the 80s, I believe he was a congressman from 86 to, to his death, but I can't remember for sure. At any rate, he served in the Congress for a couple of decades, and he was, I guess, exemplary in his his ability to get along with his fellow congressmen. At least that was the, or that is the legend that is being put forward. I'm sorry, 1987 to 2018, so that's what, almost uh, 30 years, more than 30 years. So that's a good long time in the Senate. And, you know, that that's something to be proud of. You have to admire him for that. He was on a number of committees and apparently was very influential. He apparently invited junior senators onto committees and helped them get acclimated. And so he had a lot of young senators that were beholden to him because he treated them well. And, by the way, his military career... His awards included the Silver Star, uh, Bronze Star Medal with the Combat V, Purple Heart, Legion of Merit with the Combat V, Distinguished Flying Cross, Navy and Marine Cross, Commendation Medal for Combat V, and some others. Now, my friend, uh, Kevin, who is also a, a Naval Academy Annapolis graduate and was in the Marine Corps and obtained the rank of captain, which is, I guess, similar to captain in the Navy. He told me that he did not think that McCain's rank as captain in the Navy and the awards that he had received uh, qualified him to be buried at the Naval Academy in the Naval Academy uh, cemetery that you had to be a higher rank or you had to have had uh, a higher uh, medal 
Silver Star, apparently he was awarded that. And don't hold me to this. I may be wrong. The Silver Star was given to him as uh, a reward for his valor in captivity and refusing to uh, be released and then declining that from the North Vietnamese. So, you know, there is something to to that, and he's to be – uh, he's to be praised for that. He did the right thing. We were talking before the show. Of course, the alternative would perhaps to be court-martialed uh, or to be dishonorably discharged. And so, if you want to make a career in the in the navy or in the military, that won't work very well. So you better just sit where you are and take the abuse, and you get a silver star out of it. So he got a silver star and he got a bronze star, and his his unit at Pensacola was uh, given a, uh, I guess a, a unit citation, a unit award, and he did good things. You know, there's no doubt about it. He he did his best. Uh, he did what he thought was right, not what I thought was right, not what I agreed with, but certainly he made an effort and put his best foot forward to do what he thought was in the best interest of his constituents and the people that he served and the military branch that he served. So he made his way through, actually ran for president, and a lot of people blame um, his choosing Sarah Palin as the reason for the failure of his campaign, but of course that had nothing to do with it. This campaign that he was in was doomed once the stock market crashed. I said that the day after it crashed, I saw him on Fox and Friends the morning after the crash. And I said it on the radio then too. I said, he is not going to win this no matter what. You could have Jesus on the top of the of the Republican ticket and Satan himself on the top of the Democratic ticket, and Satan would have won that election because of the economy. It didn't matter who was running. He realized that, and he intimated that when he talked with Fox and Friends. And you could see the heart go out of his campaign right at that point that the stock market crash took it out. It didn't have anything to do with Sarah Palin. Vice presidents don't affect campaigns from what I can see. They have very little effect. So he did his best, and I guess he became more conservative over the years, as a lot of us have, as we've gotten older, and as we've seen the tremendous damage that the government has done inadvertently in trying to run everything. It doesn't work very well. So still he took a stand against uh, Trump and a lot of people say well you just love Trump Dr. Bill I don't even know Trump I could care less whether it's Trump or McCain or whoever it is it's what's being accomplished it's the positions it's the policies it's the it's the it's not the personality it's the principles and the impl- in- implementation of those principles into action that I agree with and I like. And believe me, I didn't even think of some of the things that Trump is doing. And so I give him credit for that, for being a good businessman and being a a fighter. And a lot of people say they just wish he'd shut up. Actually, I kind of like it. 
I like it. I think that it's good that we finally have somebody out our side of the of the fence who is shouting back at the nasty neighbors next door who are constantly calling us names and dumping their trash in our yard because they don't like us. Throw the trash back over in their yard and call them names and tell them they better quit it or we're going to come over there and, and give them one in the, in the kisser. And uh, by that, I mean legally we're going to come after you and we're going to upend your little basket of wonderfuls. We're the deplorables, and they're the wonderfuls. And their little basket of wonderfuls may need to be up, up ended and turned over as well. By the way, I saw one of the senators, I can't remember his name, from Georgia. And he said that anybody who criticized McCain during the, the period of the wake deserved a whipping. And so I sent him an email right away, and I said, you know what, I'm one of those deplorables, and I have criticized John McCain since the 1980s. I have disagreed with him because he can be such a nasty, angry man, and he can get his emotions in the way of logic, and he'll go against legislation or he went against legislation that he really had no reason to go against other than that he was mad at somebody or had some personal bone to pick, which to me is petty. And then after the Keating 5 incident, the Keating 5 incident, for those of you who don't know, was a, was a savings and loan scandal back in the late 1980s that preceded the recession in the early 90s. We, we go through these things over and over again. Before every recession, there's this buildup of uh, mortgages that are uh, uh, probably n not made on good, firm ground. And so then you get a bunch of bad mortgages and the market collapses and then you go into a recession. And these are, these are battles that go on every single recession. And we saw it in the... Uh, and the debentures and the housing market crash and the derivatives market that were based on uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac home mortgages back in the 2006-2007 time period. So at any rate, he got caught up in this. He was exonerated, but I guess he felt guilty. So he and Feingold, who was a Democrat, they decided that we needed campaign reform. For those of you who don't know your history, the campaign reform bill was passed, and it limited the amount of money that you could contribute to a campaign, to a candidate in a campaign. And there were disclosure uh, rules and so on and so forth. And so the whole thing, uh, like any time the federal government gets involved, did exactly the opposite. It created these super PACs. These super PACs were not directly affiliated with the candidates, but they were for the candidates or they were for one of the policies of the candidates and they could raise unlimited amount of money and they could run any ads they wanted to as long as it was not directly associated with the campaign of an individual who was running for office. And so the whole thing basically allowed the campaign and encouraged the campaign contributions to jump by a hundredfold. And the McCain-Feingold law was challenged by uh, politicos, went up to the Supreme Court, and guess what? It was thrown out as unconstitutional. So his landmark piece of legislation crashed in North Vietnam along with his fighter jet. So uh, 
let's be honest. Great guy and friend if you're one of his buddies in the Senate or if you work for him. If you got him upset, he was not your friend, and he would come after you. He had a temper. I'm sure that it, that it uh, waned over the years, as a lot of us have gotten mellower as we've gotten older. The fight goes out of us, and things that seemed important 30, 40, 50 years ago aren't that big of a deal now. And he was apparently a good guy to his second wife. She stuck with him, from what I can see. His kids said nice things about him, so uh, I can only assume that he was a decent father. I don't know. And judging by all of the senators who have come out and said they love him and thought the world of him, he had friends. He had people who liked him, and of course he had people who disliked him. And so he's like most Americans. He did good, he did bad. He had his good days, and he had his down days. He had his nasty days, and he had his I'm sorry days. And I think the fact that he was able to keep his emotions so much out in the public probably made him seem more down-to-earth and realistic to a lot of people. Not my idea of a statesman, but that's okay. That's okay. Let's face it. Our leaders reflect us. They are a reflection of who we are. And you say, I'm not a reflection, or Donald Trump is not a reflection of me. Well, you better go look in the mirror, <laughs> because a lot of us are like that. We're just obnoxious and mouthy. And, and that yours truly here is the first to confess that he is obnoxious and mouthy. And so I, I don't see myself as that different from many of the people who are in our government. I think they just reflect who we are as a people. And that's perhaps one of the beauties of our democracy. And that's probably not true in a lot of democracies, but it is in our democracy. So we finally put John Cain, uh, hopefully, in the grave. Uh, I don't know, maybe in 40 days he'll ascend into heaven. Uh, after three days, I, he, he may come back to life and push the boulder away from his tombstone and, and come out and do something more. But at any rate, uh, is he a man who be, should be uh, canonized and beatified and turned into a saint? I think that the motivation for a lot of people who are pushing for this is probably circumspect. I'm sure there are some people who truly believe he's a great guy and deserves it. There are others who are using him as a foil against the president and against the conservative uh, Republicans who do not want to compromise with the liberal Democrats and others who just want to steal thunder away from the campaigns of the Republicans who are winning their battles in a lot of jurisdictions and a lot of uh, districts. So I'm not sure that I buy all this uh, hoo-ha about turning him into a saint from the left and from the center. But we'll see what happens. It should be interesting. Well, I, listen, I'm going to grab a cup of joe when we come back. I want to shift gears, and I want to talk about jobs and particularly about about skilled labor and about associate degrees and uh, 
vocational training because there are a lot of jobs that are going along now and we need people we need people who are skilled and have these trades and abilities so i'm i'm going to come back go grab yourself a cup of joe change your diaper whatever you're going to do this is dr bill your radio md and by the way you can call me after the break at 877-969-8600 877-969-8600 if you want to say anything about McCain or about anything else I'm open this morning this is your Dr. Bill your radio MD I'll be right back With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. At least 13 people have been injured and two others are missing after two recreational boats collided on the Colorado River near the California border with Arizona last night. A spokesman for the San Bernardino County Fire District says the vessels collided head-on last night and they are concerned that the two people missing are now dead. The long journey of Senator John McCain ends today where his adult life began as he is laid to rest this afternoon at the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. McCain is being buried next to his best friend at the Academy, Admiral Chuck Larson. The private service marks the closing event of a cross-country farewell tour for the decorated Vietnam War hero. And the funeral for Aretha Franklin, not the end of the journey for her family members. It turns out Franklin did not have a will and legal fights are coming. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727 727- 7384 Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts, and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit, 800-786-9300. That's 800-786-9300. 800-786-9300. 
The political landscape today is often filled with spin, and the truth is sometimes hard to decipher. So how can you really know what's in your best interest as an American, as a voter? Turn to the trusted voices leading America in the right direction at conservativeradio.com. Visit conservativeradio.com to hear the facts, thoughtful insights, and intelligent perspectives from Dennis Prager, Hugh Hewitt, Michael Medved, and more. From anywhere on your laptop, tablet, or smartphone, listen at conservativeradio.com. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. We'll have a mix of clouds and sunshine today with a shower thunderstorm this afternoon, high 91. Shower thunderstorm in spots this evening, otherwise partly cloudy tonight, low 76. Then tomorrow for our Labor Day Monday, variable cloudiness with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm and a high of 88. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Holly Holdren for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back a little bit of Crosby, Stills, and Nash in Woodstock. I was there, by the way. In fact, I was there before the whole thing started. I was there when the day before anything was opened. Uh, there were roadies and uh, uh, stagehands, and they were building the stage and getting the amp set up. There were aid stations going up, and a couple of locals were wandering around. We actually met the people that were the uh, promoter producers of the whole thing. Uh, we met them at a little Holiday Inn in the in the little town there, uh, before we drove out to the to the, to Yasker's farm and. We traded them some contraband, and they gave us some backstage passes. So we had the opportunity to be up on stage uh, uh, during the the Woodstock event, the the uh, concert, and uh, what a piece of history that was. Now I got to tell you, I really don't remember a lot about it, other than it was pretty rainy and muddy and wet and cold. And I'm not a camp out kind of person. My idea of roughing it is is a Hyatt with no room service. So, uh, but that did help push me back into the mainstream. I will say that living on the uh, living on the street for a few years <laughs> convinced me that that was not a way to live. We've got Dave from Oldsmar. Dave, welcome to the show. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Good morning, Bill. Um, I like talking about uh, John McCain. Uh, you know this um, dossier with Steele? John McCain sent his personal uh, representative to London to get the document from Steele. He's the one that brought it to the United States and handed it to Comey and uh, what's the uh, guy in the Senate. So there's where the Trump uh, baloney comes from. Uh, there's a lot of hatred there for him uh, bringing that dirty lie into this, uh, into this election. And uh, another thing, on the forestall, what about the five guys that died when he was hot-rodding his airplane and he crashed into the plane ahead of him on the flight deck, loaded with bombs, killed five guys, 17 or so injured, took the, took the forestall out of commission for a while? He's a, he's a reckless dude, and I think there's a lot of ang- pent-up anger in him that he's uh, releasing and I just had to get that out there because I, this canonization of him, I think, is totally wrong. He's a, you know, he's a hero in, in one sense and a jerk in another. Thank you for your time, Mr. Bill. 
Thank you. Uh, and that's Dr. Bill. Oh, my God. Did you hear what he said? He called me Mr. Bill. Blasphemy. <laughs> uh, blasphemy. That's Mr. Bill is that little clay thing on Saturday, that little clay guy on Saturday Night Live. And me. And you. You're Mr. Bill, and I'm Dr. Bill, but we love you anyway. And thanks for calling Dave and Oldsmar. I, I don't know the whole story behind the Steele dossier. If that's true, it, it certainly uh, explains the the extreme animosity that Trump has for this guy and uh, what what prompted the animosity of McCain towards Trump. I don't know. But obviously there's some history before the campaign even began. So at any rate, uh, I was telling Bill at the break that when my father died, God rest his soul, uh, I told the backhoe driver who dug the grave, I said, make sure you run back and forth over his gravesite several times and pack it down tight so that he can't crawl out and torture me some more. And that's not to say that my dad didn't have his good points, but we had our problems. And maybe we should do that with McCain, Dave. I don't know. Uh, I did not know that the Forrestal uh, accident was caused by him. I thought that that was somebody else. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, there are enough negatives out there about John McCain that uh, I certainly don't think he should be canonized, nor should he be demonized. We'll just put him in the in the in that big pot of uh, young, reckless guys who turned their lives around and did some positive things as well as some negative things. At any rate, I want to move on. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe has this show called Dirty Jobs. He's been on uh, the Discovery Channel. He's been on CNN. He's been frequent guest on a number of other shows. I think he started off on Home Shopping Network as a sales sales guy. And he, he found his little niche here, and it's it's been a really great niche. He even started a, a – a charity that funds people who want to go to trade schools or uh, vocational schools or do something other than get a bachelor's or a master's or a PhD or an MD degree. And so I wanted to talk about the job market for people who are not really interested in college or in the heavy sciences or in uh, literature or history or political science, uh, because there's just a whole ton of a whole host of things that that are out there, and we are in desperate need of skilled workers. We really are. The job market is tight. I know this. We had one of our employees leave. One of our back office nurses. They're called medical assistants. This is an associate degree. You can get this by going for one or two years uh, at a junior college. And there are even uh, um, for-profit schools that offer these programs. And there are some nonprofit universities that also offer these associate degrees and skilled degrees. And so we're looking for a new person. Now, our problem is, is that there are not a lot of people out there. It's a tight job market and trying to find people not only who are trained, but also have some experience, is just impossible. And it's not a bad-paying job. I think we're, we're starting off at 12 to $14 an hour. And for somebody with a high school education and then a year or two after that, uh, a nine-to-five job, no nights, no weekends, that's not bad money to start with. Of course, you can't raise a family on that. But we pay more as you're there longer, and you get a pretty good vacation 
uh, uh, package. You get so much for every year that you're there. And I think that at the most, at the peak, you get four weeks of vacation. Now, that's darn good work for uh, a, a non-BABS, uh, MA, uh, MBA, MSA, PhD, MD degree. I mean, that's that's pretty good. That's that's a nice little uh, nice little package. I don't know many places that offer four weeks of paid vacation to employees after they've been there for a number of years, whose job is as a medical assistant in the back office of a doctor's office. So, but we're having a hard time finding people. It's not easy, and so we need more people. We need skilled workers. And these include agricultural workers, sun-skilled and semi-skilled workers, domestic workers, and that includes uh, uh, people who perform home health care as aides, and you can even get a little a little certificate to show that you've gone through uh, personal aid training school. And and these these are great things to have for people who have struggled with the academics of high school, but who have a bent for taking care of their fellow man and woman. And it doesn't take a lot of money and it doesn't take a lot of time. And so these are good jobs to latch on to. And I know a number of people who have started off as nursing aides or uh, personal aides in homes and have gone on to get their uh, their graduate nursing degree and then gone on to get their bachelor's in nursing, which is a four-year degree. You actually get a, a, um, a college degree with that, and, and they move right on up. And you can even go from a bachelor's degree to a master's level degree in nursing and get your nurse practitioner degree. Now, the nurse practitioners are kind of like baby doctors. They're um, not doctors who take care of babies, but interns and residents, they have the ability to write prescriptions, to see patients, to uh, give out treatment regimens, to admit people to the hospital in a lot of areas. And they work alongside of doctors. Uh, they are, quote, quote, overseen by doctors, although they're getting more and more independent as we have an increasing shortage of doctors and of healthcare workers in general. And it's a two-year program. It is geared towards taking care of sick patients. Unfortunately, the nursing education, the nursing uh hierarchy, the philosophy has become more socialistic. So there's a lot of socialism that's interjected and a lot of uh, concern about making sure that the patients are socially situated and things are taken care of. And of course, if you get in a busy practice, you can't do that. That's why you have social workers. That's why you have case managers. That's why you have people at the hospital that do this. Nevertheless, it's a good way to get into the patient care area. And you can start off out of right out of the chute, making seventy grand a year, seventy thousand a year as a nurse practitioner. The other side of the coin is the physician assistant. There, you do not need a medical background. You do not need a nursing degree, uh, and you can go into physician assistant school, and that's also, I believe, a two-year program. 
And basically, you come out with the same skills, the ability to see patients, uh, prescribe treatments, write prescriptions, and do all the other things that nurse practitioners do, uh, suturing, um, minor wound care, uh, assisting surgeons on major cases, closing the wounds after the surgeons are done. So there's a host of things you can do with, with this uh, degree. And these are excellent ways to work your way up to 100000 a year with experience. You can make that kind of money. Another aspect of this to consider is the nurse anesthetist. Now, these are also the bachelors of science in nursing who get a master's degree. Their degree is in anesthesiology, nursing anesthesiology. So they actually can put people to sleep, intubate, wake them up, and do all the things that an anesthesiologist can do when procedures and operations are being done with supervision of an anesthesiologist. And they make well over 100000 a year. They make good money. Uh, so this is another avenue that you can go. Well, what if you, you're not interested in getting uh, a, a college degree? You just want an associate degree. Well, 11 high-paying blue-collar jobs, according to, to Mike Rowe, include uh, uh, bricklayers, who can make 45 to 50 grand a year coming right out of the chute, chemical plant operator, 40 to 45,000, dental hygienist, which is really a nice way to go if you like being in, inside and working inside. That's 62,000 a year, not bad money. Not bad money for coming out of a, an associate degree program. Derek Mann and uh, Derek Mann work on oil rig crews, and they can make 46,000 a year coming out. Executive housekeepers, 45,000. Firefighters, 45,000. Locomotive engineer, 62,000, 63,000. Now, listen, these are entry-level entry level salaries. So you can certainly do better over the years if you hang in there, and especially if you're in, in, in an industry like the railroad industry where there are big corporations that are more than happy to have people with experience and will give you pension plans and benefits and you get your railroad retirement plan. So there's a lot of pluses to going into these associate uh, skilled degrees. Medical laboratory technicians can come out at 41700 You could also get uh, a, a bachelor's in medical laboratory sciences. You know, personal trainers. Now, to me, this seems like a no-brainer. If you like being in the gym, if you like staying active, if you enjoy teaching people and, and telling them how to train and do the, all of that, this is a great fit. Personal trainer, personal trainer, 53,000 right out of the chute. Not bad money. Police officer, 50,000. And you say, oh, that's a dangerous job. As I've said before on the show, police officers, they don't even make it into the top 10 most dangerous jobs in America. It is not that dangerous of a job. Yes, it is anxiety-provoking because you never know what you're going to come up against, but the chances are the odds of you getting shot uh, or jumped as a police officer are very small, very small. Plumbers, a plumber journeyman can make 40000 coming right out. And if you own your own business, you can make in six figures as a plumber if you have people working under you. 
don't be afraid to get dirty. That's Mike Rowe's suggestion. Don't be afraid to get dirty. And don't be afraid to get dirty even if you're in the healthcare industry. In the healthcare industry, if you're willing to get a little dirty, you can make more money. You know, if you're willing to do procedures and get your hands a little bloody, whether it's as a physician's assistant or a tech in surgery or a surgeon or even a family practitioner who does minor office procedures and doesn't mind getting getting his hands a little bloody, cutting out uh, skin cancers and opening up abscesses and doing these sorts of things, you're going to do a little bit better than the guy who doesn't do these procedures. Society will pay you better for getting your hands dirty because a lot of people don't like to do this. So you do this and you'll make a little bit more money. Be a heavy equipment operator. They can make darn good money. And operating heavy equipment can be very rewarding and a lot of fun. Now, it might get a little bit lonely if you're the guy at the top of the crane that's building the Empire State Building because you're going to get up there all day long. The only guy you're going to talk to is your spotter on the ground. But if you don't mind uh, spending a lot of the day all by yourself and you like the money, what the heck? Why not? Good money, a lot of fun. As I pointed out before, that's how Senator Bill Nelson made his bones. He was operating the the uh, lift on the space shuttle. Not a bad way to go. He seemed to do okay. What are some high-demand jobs in 2018 for almost every type of person? Solar energy technicians, wind energy technicians, home health aides, personal care aides, physician assistants and nurse practitioners. There's a, a, a growth in that industry of almost 38%. There's a big demand for that. Statisticians. And here's something, if you, if you want to go to school and you want to get a degree and you like math and you like statistics, be an actuarian. Those guys make huge money and they really don't, work that hard i mean they yes they work hard from a paperwork point of view and going to the office but uh, it's it's like being an accountant only you're you're subspecialized into an area that does nothing but actuarial work and everything and everyone needs actuarials whether it's insurance companies or uh, hmos or automobile makers or uh, retirement planners, everybody needs actuarians. They're a big deal. Physical therapy assistants, application software developers, mathematicians. That's just some of the jobs. There's a whole host of jobs that are available. Carpenters. And listen, any time you have to get a certificate uh, from the county or the state, you're going to have a little bit more income a little bit more status. So if you hold yourself out as a licensed carpenter, you had to pass a little exam to get your carpenter's license. You, If you hold yourself out as a contractor, you have to pass a contractor's license exam. And you have to have people that recommend you. So all these jobs that are skilled, semi-skilled, associate degree, um, technical degrees, 
you need a license when you get out of these programs to do what you do. And it's going to stand you in better stead in the long run. You're going to make more money and we need you. You do not have to have a college degree, a four-year degree to make it. You just don't need that. And we need you. We need you now and we need you desperately to take up these trades, these professions, uh, these avocations, and get your butts into these schools and these programs. And let's get society up and running. We need our own people. We don't need to import people. Let's use what we got here. Well, this is Dr. Bill. I want everybody to have a great week. I'm glad you guys are there. Love you, and I'll see you next week. I'm out of here. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.